2: What's that spell? San Diego!
3: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego
1: Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was
0: good!
3: But be careful because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, and welcome to
0: Saver, Protection production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today, we have an episode for you about tater tots.
1: Yes, and I know people love some tater tots. <laughs> you're you're not so much a fan,
0: though, are you?
1: No, um, I I mean they're fine, but I would always, always, always choose fries over tater tots. And I've actually been thinking about why that is, and um, like in
0: general or because of this episode? <laughs> because of this episode. <laughs>
1: Um, I do, I will say a friend, cause we, we run in a big tater tot crew here. We do. Um, a lot of people order tater tots to share and, um, Samantha over on the other podcast I do, Stuff Mom Ever Told You, she found out that I always, pre- I like, am never super happy when tater tots arrive. And she was like disappointed in <laughs> me. <laughs> she was like visibly distressed at this information. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm ha- they're fine. I'm happy with them. But I think it's the, in thinking about this, I think it's something with the oil. Uh-huh. It reminds me of like, I don't want to say bad breakfast, but I wasn't a big breakfast person growing up. And I feel like I ate a lot of foods that I ate for breakfast, even if I kind of liked them, just got associated with being miserable and making myself eat food for breakfast. Okay. And tater tots have gotten wrapped up in that because of things like hash browns.
0: Okay. All right. Um I, I will I will admit that I am it, it depends it depends on the restaurant in question. I am more likely to order a fry than a tater tot. Mm. Um if I am ordering a tater tot, it's because I have a very low opinion of your French fries.
3: <laughs> Ooh,
1: take no restaurants. <laughs> Lauren Vogelbaum comes in that door. He doesn't order the fries. Gets the tots. You need to. You need to take some things in stock. It's because <laughs> I like. It's because I like
0: a a crispy yet tender potato product. And so, if your fry is not crisp enough, then I'm gonna go tot. You know.
1: Gonna go tot. Um, <laughs> occasionally, when I was growing up. We didn't have um, frozen potato products in general that often. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have fries that often, but we had tater tots even less so. And my brothers always kind of liked them. But I would it would be like a loss that day for me. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Tater tots. My brothers have won this battle.
0: Yeah. I don't think we ever purchased those as a household when I was growing up. It just wasn't part of the food group mm-hmm. that my <laughs> dad was into. Um, so I... I remember, I think, like, when I hit college and started, you know, doing my own, all of my own grocery shopping, that that was the first time I was like, there are a lot of frozen potatoes. There are so many. Huh. Yeah. It was a surprise to me. <laughs> yes.
1: And I do know a lot of people associate them with school lunches. Mm-hmm. Um often rather fondly, because we're we're coming out kind of against, not against, but like not super fans yeah. of tater tots. <laughs> um, but I know that for some people that they have a pleasant, nostalgic experience with that, whereas I think I have a negative nostalgic. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. not nostalgic huh. anymore. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I do like, I've had some really good tachos, which are, <laughs> of course, like tater tot nachos. That word is so silly. I know, it, it does crack me up. And so do those um tater tot waffles. They make me laugh as well. Oh, I've yeah. never done that, but I have a friend who uh, has done it and posted several pictures of it on her Instagram. And I mean, it looks good. <laughs> sure. I guess I guess
0: I do I do really like a tacho. Yeah,
1: I feel like I was trying to remember when, but I feel like you and I had some good tachos at some food festival we went to. That
0: sounds highly likely.
1: Um it does indeed. <laughs>
0: Uh, National Tater Tot Day is February 2nd, but it's an unofficial national day. It's not, like, approved by Congress or whatever it is. Like, apparently, (laughs) like, some dude on Twitter just made it up in 2009, and it became, like, retweeted enough, basically, that it got picked up.
1: Wow. I'm shocked it doesn't have an official holiday. I don't know if I should be, but I am. Yeah, also, you'd, you'd think
0: that the, like, National Potato Council would have gotten on that. Come on. Come on now. Um,
1: <laughs> also, I love that so many people are like, yes, retweet, 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 that now it's kind of a thing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and for this episode, if you want to learn more, you can see past episodes we've done on french fries, latkes, and frozen food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. But in the meantime, I guess this brings us to our question. hmm tater tots. What are they? Well, uh, a tater tot
0: is a small cylindrical mass of peeled, shredded, cooked white potato that's bound together with a little starch or some other kind of binder and then uh, deep fried or baked until it's uh, soft and hot on the inside and, and golden and crispy on the outside probably like a maybe like an inch long three quarters of an inch across um they're they're like the the McNuggets of the potato world um like a like a tiny meatloaf but just potato like a like a <laughs> squat little french fry but with texture like a plain but poppable latka, um like a small singular hash brown
1: all excellent descriptors. Thank you. Um, I like the texture. That sounds like something you'd say about someone who has like attitude or. Oh, she's got texture. She has
0: texture. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Which I like thinking in the potato world that tater tots are chaotic potato <laughs> beings. <laughs>
0: Definitely chaotic neutral, absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, the term tater tot is actually trademarked. Um, It's specifically a brand under the frozen food producer or Ida. Um, Similar products are sold under other names that often include either the word tater or tot, but not both for legal purposes. Outside the U.S., they go by other names um, like potato gems, apparently, is what Mm -hmm. you call them in Australia. Um, or potato nuggets is pretty common, write in, let us know if there's some weird thing that you refer to this as in your neck of the woods. <laughs> well, they probably think we're weird with our
1: tater tots, Ow. which is a very funny name. <laughs> well, we are. You <laughs> <Yes>. not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> but please, yes, write in. Yeah, I
0: was like, gems, potato ge- heck yeah. Anyway, I know. Oof. Uh, tots can be handmade, but they're more often an industrial product, a uh, uh, machine formed and sold frozen to restaurants and consumers alike. Uh, or Ida's Tots are formed by pushing uh, the, the, the cooked shredded tater dough um, through a cylindrical extruder and then slicing off each individual tot. Um, they sell regular, extra crispy, mini, and microwavable varieties. Tots can be made with other things than just white potato. Sweet potato is the most common. Other veg can be um, can be used or, or blended with the potato. I read about pickle tots, like half what? potato, half pickle
1: Ooh. that
0: this one restaurant was making somewhere. Oh, I didn't write that down. But <laughs> I want to try that because fried pickles are great. Fried potatoes mm-hmm. are great. Mm-hmm. I need to try the combination. Anyway, okay, yeah. Um... <laughs> And, you know, yeah, like tots are pretty popular as a snack, food, or side dish, partially because, I mean, you know, like fried potatoes. Um, but also, yeah, like that, that, that texture of the shredded potato creates um, a large surface area on this really tiny package, which can add um, more crunch, more places for the oil to get in and crisp up, or just for the oil to cling and, you know, be all fatty and tasty. Um, you can also catch lots of dipping sauce on mm-hmm. a tot. So, if you're using them as a vehicle for, like, ketchup or ranch or whatever it is, then... hmm Good sauce vehicle, for yeah. sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but speaking of, what about the nutrition?
0: <laughs> uh, usually in our outlines, uh, y'all, I, I've written something down um, in the nutrition section, and I just didn't here. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, potatoes are a fine food. Um, you know, they've got a lot of micronutrients and starches. Um, once you skin them, there's less of that uh, micronutrient mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, once, once you've deep fried them, it's, it's a treat. It's a treat. Solidly in the treat category. Treats are delicious. Have them. Enjoy them.
1: <laughs> yes. We're big, big proponents of treats here at Savor. Goodness, we are. <laughs> Heck. Heck. Oh, yes. Um, We do have some numbers for you. As of 2017, Americans were reportedly eating an annual 70 million pounds of tater tots. Uh, There were several stories about um, comfort foods during COVID, and several of those stories did specifically cite tater tots. People did say, like, this is the comfort food that got me through the worst of it or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Or Ida um, is a big part of the frozen potato game. Um, I I read varying numbers of of between a quarter to up to half of the like US frozen potato market is controlled by Ore Ida.
1: There are tater tot eating contests, of course there are. Um, including Bar Louis Rock the Tot. Contest where in 2010 Carl Deslam ate three and a half pounds, about 1.6 kilos, of tater tots in six minutes. Woo! Then, then in 2015,
0: uh Dan Wood ate four pounds two ounces in three minutes. Oh my gosh. At Bar Louis National Rock the Tot Championship. Yeah, that's like 1.9 kilos. Um I think that's the Guinness record. I think it is still held. Um, and as 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 his prize, he can eat tots for free for life at Bar Louie locations around the country.
1: Oh, I'd be showing that off with, like everybody. <laughs> oh, I know where we could go. Oh, I just free tots for the table. And then you have to explain the story. <laughs> Nothing, no big. I just ate. <laughs> over four pounds of tater dots in three minutes that's all <laughs>
0: <laughs> um uh but you know this uh
1: <laughs> you gotta have a strategy that's what i'm curious about but further research for a different time yeah <laughs> yeah
0: i didn't um i didn't read that deeply into it um unfortunately that's... now i'm regretting it
1: that's okay those those eating competitions can get a little Still hard to stomach. Hey, hey oh. um, and we have a lot of really interesting history on the tater tot for you.
0: We do. Um, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, the story of the tater tot is the story of American ovation and determination. <laughs> it's so great. I'm so happy that we, we're going to share this with everyone. Um, and a lot of it has to do with Mormon brothers F. Nephi and Golden Grig. Um, So I'm going to be calling him Nephi throughout because that's what everyone did in the articles, and I'm assuming it's so you can differentiate between the two brothers. But norm- I just say that because normally I feel weird about using someone's first name, and I shouldn't. I don't know why. But I do. <laughs> but you're like I don't know him like that. I
0: should be referring exactly. to him by his surname. It would be right. more polite. No, I I get it. I get
1: it. But thank you, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Nephi, um, considered the leader of this brother brother duo, was born in Idaho in 1914, meaning he grew up during the Great Depression. Uh, he dropped out of high school and, along with his brother, sold potatoes and corn, barely making a living. Um, Nephi was completely sure that frozen food was the future of produce. So he mortgaged their farms for a down payment on a flash-freezing plant in Oregon, about $550,000, the modern equivalent of $4.5 million. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and because it was located on the border with Idaho, they named the factory after both states. Or Ida, which I never ever questioned or asked. Nope. <laughs> but like, Oh <laughs> nope, zero percent. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's eventually the name they arrived at. It went through a few others first. I'm just going to be using Orida. Um, but yes, uh, that is why it has that name. Nephi was right about frozen food being the future in America. As we discussed in our frozen food episode, the 1950s was a decade of frozen food innovation when Americans were eager for quick easy, modern meals to eat in front of their newly, widely available televisions. Um, The so-called TV dinner that was advertised on television, Mm -hmm. which I love, is kind of a cycle. (laughs) As flashy yet simple, technologically advanced but easy, Orida was right at the forefront of all of this, and they were the largest distributor of sweet corn in 1951. The big moneymaker, though... The French fries. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A few years earlier in 1946, J.R. Simplot, also out of Idaho, innovated a way to freeze French fries without the unfortunate consequence of turning them black. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There was still room for improvement, however. As Nephi later put it, quote, we had a problem with separating the fries from the slivers and small pieces of potatoes that occurred when slicing the irregular shaped potatoes. Okay, so I love this. The situation changed when representatives from a manufacturing equipment company showed up trying to sell Orita on a prune sorter. They kind of just, out of the blue, showed up <laughs> trying to sell them on this. And rather than turning them away, Nephi and his plant superintendent, Slim Burton, great name, oh, yeah. asked <laughs> yeah, some follow-up questions about a possible redesign of this equipment mainly to solve the problem Nephi described and separate out the unwanted potato bits from the prized french fry. The representatives assured them that it could be done. Um, Nephi determined the potato scraps would go to feed livestock on their land, but it turned out to be way too many scraps for that, and Nephi did not want to waste a product that had been purchased, peeled, basically gone through the whole factory shebang. So... They got to work figuring out a way to use these leftover pieces, eventually using this new machinery to combine the pieces together, blanching them, shaping them, cooking them in oil, and freezing them. Uh, The original idea was for them to be fried, but consumers, uh, they would find out, liked them just as much baked. So the branding was reformulated, and voila, tater tots. (laughs) Hmm. But what about the name? According to Nephi, one of the men on the research committee who, quote, traveled the markets playing a ukulele and demonstrating our product, (laughs) I want to know more, please, um, arrived at the name with the help of a thesaurus and alliteration. Orida wasted no time in trademarking the name. Yes, I did not know it was trademarked either. Mm -hmm. Um, Buying and refining new machinery, and soon mass production was underway. Or... The name was the result of a contest the company held. The winning entry came from housewife Clora Lay Orton, and it was a combo of the slang word for potatoes, taters, and tots, the slang for small children, so basically baby potatoes. Um, It was interesting to me how many times you'll find both stories repeated in, like, credible sources and even company resources. So I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) Mysteries history. Um, There were still some kinks to work out, particularly when it came to um, the machinery dealing with sticky potato products, and refinery continued, and I'm sure continues to this day. I'm sure. In 1954, Nephi and Golden traveled from their headquarters of Orida to Miami, Florida to attend the National Potato Convention held at a ritzy hotel on Miami Beach, On one of the mornings that the convention was underway, Nephi convinced the chef to cook uh, this new creation he transported with them to serve to attendees as samples. Over 15 pounds worth of tater tots. Um, They were served on small saucers and were a huge hit. When describing it 35 years later, Nephi said, these were all gobbled up faster than a dead cat could wag its tail. (laughs) Never heard that one. That's a new one for me. (laughs) And he was full of intense quotes. Here's a sampling. Bite off more than you can chew, then chew it. Um, (laughs) Or, (laughs) the tater tot is the hero in the history of the saga of Orida Foods Incorporated. Um, And that quote was uh, the opening line from a five-page personal account of how the tater tot came to be that Nephi wrote at the request of an Orida employee in 1989. This employee was like, how come we don't have a history anywhere? Contacted Nephi, and he wrote this essay. Nephi would later call tater tots the, quote, hero profit item. So, you know, the tater tots, big, big news. (laughs) A hero. (laughs) Um, it didn't take long for people across the country to take note of tater tots and they were mentioned in write-ups all over. The success of the tot was enough that Orida claimed a quarter of the frozen potato market in the 1950s and they had to open a second plant to keep up with demand in 1960. A year later, they went public and by 1964, they were raking in $31 million a year. Orida became a household name. But there were issues. Employees complained of nepotism at the company, Mm. and Heinz eventually bought the company in 1965 for 30 million dollars. And stepping back a bit, uh, this is a separate episode for sure. But I wanted to include it because I know people would be like, "You didn't say." Uh Um, But the popular Midwest casserole called Hot Dish, the recipe of which first appeared in writing in the United States in 1930. um, this dish largely adopted a topping of tater tots as soon as tater tots became available. And from what I understand, that is the the norm now. Yes. Hot dish has the tater tots. As the tater tots. The
0: yes. That is what I also understand. But again, whole separate episode. We mm-hmm. we want to give Hot Dish the time and care that it deserves.
1: We do indeed. We would never, ever <laughs> screw over the hot dish. <laughs> Never, no. Never. Nephi died in 1995. In 2002, acrylamide, a chemical that had been labeled as a carcinogenic in California since 1984, was detected in tater tots, among other foods. Orida eventually reached a $600,000 settlement and agreed to at least have the presence of acrylamide in their products. And this
0: isn't like an additive that they were putting in. Um, acrylamide is a, is a compound that can form in starchy foods when they're heated um, to above 120 degrees Celsius, or that's, that's like 248 Fahrenheit. Um, and that's because at those temperatures, some of the sugars that starchy foods contain will react uh, with this one amino acid called asparagine and then form the compound um, acrylamide. So, totally natural process. Um but yeah, acrylamide is recognized uh by the FDA as a potential carcinogen in humans. There have been some animal studies where it was proven to be carcinogenic at certain levels which are probably way higher. I mean, even for the for the most devout tater tot devotee amongst us, um it it would probably be a lot of fried food. But anyway, um yeah, uh, There are things that you can do to reduce the amount um, of acrylamide that forms, um, like reducing the starch content in your potatoes using shorter cooking times, cooking your taters less crispy. Um, But yeah, also, I think it's really basically like moderation is the important one there. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yes.
1: Um, Tater tots were featured in the 2004 movie Napoleon Dynamite. Prompting the state of Idaho to release a statement commending the film for quote, promoting Idaho's most famous export in 2005. <laughs> that is the
0: weirdest, most delightful thing that I've heard about Napoleon Dynamite in my entire life. That's.
1: <laughs> wasn't expecting that. No. Wasn't expecting that in the research, no. but here we are.
0: Yeah. In. 2011, um, when physicist and food scientist uh, Nathan Mervold, I think that's how you say it, um, he, he, he released his six-volume cookbook, Modernist Cuisine, The Art and Science of Cooking, which includes a recipe for these very technologically advanced tater tots. Um, uh, you sous vide the potatoes, um, so you, you cook them real slowly in like a, like a water bath. Sealed in a bag. They're not touching the water. Then use an ultrasonic cleaning bath loaded up with some starch to create micro cavities in the potato surfaces for the starch to seep into. So when you fry them up, they're like super tender on the inside from that low and slow cooking process and then super crunchy on the outside from those micro cavities with starch. (laughs) Wow. Fancy, modern tater tots. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 2012, the potato lobby, which is apparently a very powerful force here in the United States, um, they convinced Congress amid um, the creation of new FDA regulations about getting healthier foods into school lunch menus, like public school lunch menus. Um, The potato lobby convinced Congress that potatoes— and tater tots needed to stay, could not could not be regulated.
1: <laughs> you never put potatoes in a corner, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no tater tots in a corner. No tater tots in the corner, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, a 2014 Orena campaign looking to remind people that um, tater tot is a trademark name that belongs to them came with the tagline, don't be fooled by imitators. Mm. Taters. See, get it? Yeah, taters. Yeah. hmm hmm Lauren <laughs> does not seem impressed with this campaign. <laughs> uh, and the campaign continued that they were the, quote, original and only. In 2015, Heinz merged with Kraft Foods with Tater Tots, remaining one of their most successful products. Um... And yeah, we do continue to see tater tot innovation and experimentation, whether it is tachos, which is often credited to Portland journalist Jim Barker, who said of this invention in 2015, they said, that sounds like stoner food. They were humoring me to put them on the menu, but it ended up being one of our most ordered items. <laughs> or um, tater tots in poutine or poutin. I'm pretty sure it's poutin, but we say it poutine here. We do. Um, or tater tot waffles, or as a latke hack, which I saw a lot of using tater tots as a latke hack. Entire restaurants are dedicated to tater tot creations. While some chefs do spend the time to make their own, a process that can take up to 12 hours without the machinery, others stick to frozen. In the words of Chef Dale Talda, who I hope I'm not mispronouncing that, who founded restaurant Talda in South Brooklyn, quote, f**k making them. I always buy them frozen. There's no benefit from making them unless you are a sadist. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know? It's fair. Wow. <laughs> I've never tried to make tater tots and I honestly have no real interest. Yeah, me I think neither. I would be miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I would be if I if I
1: needed them in my home that badly, I would buy them frozen. Indeed. In 2018, the kitchen's Kelly Foster claimed that following the cooking instructions on the back of the package of a frozen package of tater tots was a grievous mistake. Mm. Um, (laughs) The package recommends a baking time of about 25 to 30 minutes. Foster advises something closer to an hour and was really key on like, you need to look. It's like a feel and a look. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the tater tot, and you'll know it's ready, <laughs> but about an hour. <laughs>
0: wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's a great article. Um, there's just something about that that really intrigues me, that you can cook it almost twice the time, and it would be better. Uh, and what calculation was made, and mm-hmm. I'm guessing convenience and, like, quick. It'll be ready quickly.
0: Yeah, versus, like, the the perfection of the tater
1: tot. Right, but Foster swore by it. She said it really uh, improves the taste and texture, so... Try that out if you're interested, listeners. (laughs) That same year, Tater Tots played a role in the film Venom. (laughs) In an attempt to satisfy the alien symbiote using his body, Eddie Brock eats an entire bag of frozen Tater Tots. I... (laughs) Again, I cannot believe I'm saying this in an episode. Um, yeah. Apparently, there were more tater tots involved, and they cut it out. Uh, huh. So, big I tater tot movie. I have not
0: seen that film. Um, oh. Nothing <laughs> nothing against... I mean, I, I like I like Venom. I like Eddie Brock. Good characters all
1: around. It has my favorite line where I'm, cause I... Because I... Not to turn this into a movie review podcast, but <laughs> I went in knowing it had kind of been made fun of and, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't very good by standards that we've come used to. Hmm. Um, but I I was watching it and even knowing that there's a line where Venom says, Sorry, but you're a bit of a loser. <laughs> said to Eddie, and then Eddie's, well, Venom says, I'm a loser too, or something like that. And I died laughing. I <laughs> died. And ever since then, I've been trying to make a loser, the Beck song parody with Venom. Um, and I have the lyrics written out, but I need a green screen and a Venom outfit, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Oh, wow. Tater tots. I could add tater tots in there. Also, I know I'm not getting the line completely accurately. It's been a while since I've seen Venom. Okay. But the heart of it is there. That's it. Mm. That's why they decide to stick together because they're both losers. They're both
0: losers. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because of tater tots.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. tater tots. Very key in their relationship. <laughs> Anyway, I think that's what we have to say about Tater Tots for now. Uh, It is. Um, We do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Visit Pronamel.com.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Jean.
0: Eugene Fodor. Jean, boot booted?
3: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
2: So you write, the books, Jean, and Vlasta runs the business. I understand now.
3: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Venom. Snor- Snor- or- 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 <laughs> this is a Venom impression. <laughs> I didn't know how to communicate it, so I had to go overboard. Yeah, I can do a better Venom impression. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe one day oh. I'll share it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, something to look forward to. Like it. Oh, definitely look forward to it. Don't dread <laughs> it. Look forward to it. <laughs> um, Kobe wrote, in your recent episode about the Negroni, I was thrilled to hear you say that you were considering doing an episode on vermouth. As the owner and vermouth maker of a small craft vermouth company, and fan of the podcast since it was food stuff, I wanted to volunteer my expertise. If you're interested, I'd be happy to talk with you. I'd also like to invite you up to Brattleboro. Oh no, I just butchered that. Brattleboro. I'm sorry. <laughs> not I'm not sure. Not sure. <laughs> um, and beautiful southeastern Vermont. If traveling is COVID safe whenever it happens. We have a wonderful food and beverage scene here. Many local small farmers and restaurants, fantastic cheesemakers. I recommend Parrish Hill, craft breweries, including the best sour beer this side of Belgium, Hermit Thrush Brewery, artisanal bakers, Giles Baguettes and Bread from the Earth, a chocolatier, Tavenier, Tavenier, chocolates, apologies again, (laughs) gelato maker, Vermont Gelato Company, small craft distilleries, Saxton's, Metcalf's, and more. And me, Vermont Vermouth, of course. Oh, that's so cool.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I I don't think I'm aware of anyone making Vermouth in our
1: area. So I'm not either. Yeah, that'd be so cool. And uh, yeah, I love being able to shout out all the cool things listeners are doing and also, yeah, these places that hopefully we can one day go. That sound amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I've got, um, I've got family up in New Hampshire. So, um, so I love, Ooh. I love that whole area. It's really gorgeous. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, so many good, so many good things. Um, Bailey wrote, I have a deep love of D&D, and it's great every time you mention something from your game. I hope one day you do a fictional foods episode for D&D food. Uh, You could talk about spells like Heroes Feast um, and the actual D&D cookbook of the same name, or create food and water. Uh, The fact that there are tiers in the food and lodging table in the PHB, depending on the lifestyle you want to lead. And everyone's favorite magic item, the alchemy jug.
1: Ooh, the alchemy gem—that mm-hmm. <laughs> is a good one. I love—I love that listeners seem to be into our D and D discussions. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I—I I think this would be a really fun episode to do, and we've t- we've talked about doing it because the kind of mechanics behind a lot of that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Lauren and I have been in campaigns where we've gotten into deep discussions and not arguments, but like. How does the alchemy jug work? And almost getting to the science of it, which is ridiculous, but (laughs) (laughs) trying to get the rules correct.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then this, the graph, uh, the chart in the PHB, the player's handbook uh, in this letter is, it's a really funny, I've never done this because I feel like it's just too much. Um, but it's this chart. It's like, are you living in squalor? This is how much it costs for you to live a day and what food you can afford and what drinks you can afford versus luxury. Um, I will say in our current campaign, there has been several. There was a, kind of a food quest and then there was definitely a an alcohol <laughs> that was introduced uh, as sort of a Slipknot band cover alcohol tie in <laughs> that now shows up randomly at bars that I love. <laughs> I know that's that's a phrase of words a string of words that probably makes no sense. But trust me, it, trust me, it was good. It
0: definitely <laughs> makes sense in context, which is it even does. stranger. Um yeah, yeah, and you had um in our in our last game that you were DMing Annie, you um you you had this like type of, yeah, like type of alcoholic beverage um, or magical beverage of some kind that um, had some very serious chaotic consequences um, attached to it that we essentially just lucked out that we didn't perm the yes. entire party by buying around. Um, yes.
1: <laughs> I was like, you know, I have to let them do what they're going to do. But whoa, <laughs> this is a real roll of the dice, like a real, real roll of the dice. <laughs> It worked out, yeah, yeah. That was hoof, hoofed. Yeah, it was pretty cool. close, pretty close. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes, <laughs> would be super into talking about that. <laughs> I love our two recommendations, future episodes.
0: And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one
1: dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
2: Let's hit it!
3: Give me a vacation. vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Give me museums! Buffalo Park! Give me a woo!
3: what's that spell san diego if you're happy and you know it san diego is the place to show it book your family vacation at san diego.org funded in part with the city of san diego Tourism and marketing district assessment funds as important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner jean jean fodor
2: jean was good?
3: but be careful